you handle the need to balance that kind of stuff, the going deep and yet also be up to the minute? Well, that's going to be the challenge. I think there's always going to be a, an instinct as a reporter to do the news, to do the news today. Uh, it's sort of the youth soccer model of that thing happened and we all rushed to the ball. Um, <laughs> it's a great way to describe it right there. <laughs> but because of our model, we're a nonprofit and, and anybody can use our coverage as long as they attribute it to us. Um, the St. Louis American use that story. And so I think it, it's, it's a great model. Jason Hancock and Rebecca Rivas are two parts of the four-person team behind the newest news site in town. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. Hi, I'm Alex Hoyer, executive producer for St. Louis on the Air. Before today's episode, I want to take a moment to say thank you for listening and choosing this podcast. Our team works hard to provide nuance on the news that shapes your life and your community. We wouldn't be able to do this without your support. The money you give to St. Louis Public Radio helps fund this podcast. So please go to stlpr.org donate and give an amount that works for you. Your contribution, along with that of your neighbors, is what fuels St. Louis on the air. We're really grateful. And again, that website is stlpr.org donate. And thanks. The brand new Missouri Independent is focused on state policy and government. It's part of State's Newsroom, that's a national nonprofit funded by donations. It offers its stories without ads and without a paywall. And because it offers them to other media outlets to publish as they like, you'll likely see some soon on the St. Louis Public Radio website. And joining us today to talk about this brand new news source is the site's editor-in-chief, Jason Hancock. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So it's so exciting to have this new source of news. What do you see as the mission of the Missouri Independent? Well, for me personally, you know, this has been a beat, the Statehouse beat, that has been the majority of my career, both in Iowa, Indiana, and now in Missouri. And over the last couple decades, I've just watched so many of my colleagues uh, vanish. You know, newspapers don't send people to the Statehouse very uh, in the way that they used to. I think there was a recent Pew study that had it at about 30% of news organizations have a state house presence. And what the mission of the Missouri Independent is here and state's newsroom around the country is to try to fill in some of those gaps, to, to try to replenish the ranks of state government reporters, because that beat is just so important. If we've learned nothing else over the last year, um, we see the just how important the decisions in our state house are to our day-to-day lives, whether that's pandemic response or taxes or education. And that's what we hope to do is to fill in those gaps, provide a little bit more coverage, and hopefully help out those news organizations that haven't had the resources to cover state government in recent years. Do you see the way you'll fill in those gaps as being different than the type of reporting you did at the state house when you were with the Kansas City Star? I think it's more of a continuation. One of the things I was talked about when I was at the Star was how uh, you know necessity breeds invention. I, I was the only reporter at the Star, and I was originally the office I had at the Capitol was big enough to have four or five people in it because mm-hmm. there was a time when there was four or five people in it. By the time I came along, it was a one-man band, 
And so I couldn't cover everything, so I had to try to focus on stuff that was, was unique or dig a little bit deeper and really carve a niche. Um, my hope is to take that approach, this idea that I've always, you know, cl the cliche that I keep referring to to people is covering the climate, not the weather. I hope to take that approach and just make it a team sport with the three reporters that we brought on. And, you know, not that there's not great reporters covering the Statehouse right now. There are. They're doing great work. We hope that we can uh, buttress that, that we can add to that, and that there's areas where because they're so uh, deluged with day-to-day -day coverage, we might be able to take a step back and do some stuff that they haven't had a chance to. Hmm. Well, we're also joined today by one of the reporters who's going to be um, aiding in that mission. That is one of the four-man team that you are a part of, Jason, um, and that is Rebecca Rivas. And until recently, she was a senior reporter and video producer at the St. Louis American. I imagine a lot of our listeners know her byline from there. So, Rebecca Rivas, welcome. Hi. Great to be here. So you had really cultivated the city of St. Louis as a beat and broke so many stories here during your years at The American. What made you want to make this leap to The Independent, this brand new news site? Well, um, I think this week's story is a good example of maybe why I, I wanted to do that. Um, this new story, the story I did about the black voters in Missouri, mm -hmm. it's something I would have loved to have done at the at the St. Louis American. It's just I, I wouldn't have had the chance to do it because I was also writing five other stories and they had to be done, you know, um, at the end of the day. So this story that um, that I that came out on our launch on Tuesday was about um, getting out and energizing black voters and what candidates need to do that to do um, to do that. Um, and I talked to a lot of people that I talked to day to day, but I just wouldn't have had the time to do this many conversations and spend this much time on on, you know, building like a map to find out where the voters are in Missouri, those kinds of things. But because of our model, we're a nonprofit and, and anybody can use our coverage as long as they attribute it to us. Um, the St. Louis American use that story. And so I think it, it's it's a great model. I think that was one of the things that really drew me to that was that not only would the American be able to use this coverage and that I spend more time doing, but also other outlets like the American throughout the state. Yeah, that's got to feel good that you know you're not abandoning your longtime home, that they're going to be able to run this coverage. And as you say, it's going to be a lot more in depth than you were maybe able to do. You mentioned doing something like five stories a day when you were at the American. <laughs> How is that workload going to change um, for the independent? Is there an expectation of, of how many stories a day Jason is going to be trying to force you to do? <laughs> well, um, maybe five stories a day was an exaggeration, but not during the COVID uh, pandemic, mm -hmm. at least from what Kenya Vaughn, um, our uh, old web editor, was telling me. I, you know, I couldn't even tell you how many stories we were putting out. It was such a fog. But um, I think... I think that we're trying to really do, you know, maybe just a couple really in-depth stories each week, but just be on call for some more breaking news um, if, if need be. But we're all at different parts covering different aspects. My beat is criminal justice, civil rights, and immigration. Mm -hmm. And um, we each are, are looking at different areas. So, um, yeah, I don't have to be everywhere at once, which is exciting. And Jason, you have two more people on your team in addition to you and Rebecca. What are some of the areas they plan to be focused on? Well, the first one we hired was a guy named Rudy Keller. He's been around uh, Missouri politics since the late 80s. He's most recently been working at the Columbia Tribune. Uh, his expertise is the state budget, 
And so we want to just let him loose on that. It's an area that's wildly important, but I can just tell you as a daily reporter at the Star, I just had to parachute in when I could because there's also 50 other stories happening. Mm -hmm. Having the ability to just have him look into this $30 billion uh, um, maze and come out the other side to be able to explain it to people is just invaluable. And then Tessa Weinberg, who worked with me a couple of years ago at the Star, she spent the last year covering Texas. She's going to be looking at healthcare and education, these two beats that are uh, strangely intertwined over the last six months. <laughs> and she's bringing a lot of experience because she was covering uh, the pandemic down in Texas as well. So I just think state government has such a wide swath of stories. It gets into every aspect of our lives that being able to get subject matter experts involved and really harness their uh, expertise to do some good journalism. I just think I'm just really looking forward to, to the results. Yeah, I mean, it, it, as you say, there are so many stories on this beat. And while you're used to doing it as a one-man team, and now you have a four-man team, so I guess that feels like a luxury. Um, having worked at, at newspapers before that have four reporters, five reporters, I feel like it's so hard to decide how do you how you balance the need to really dig into stories to the sort of fast-breaking stuff that you kind of have to chip away at in order to stay in the conversation. You know, I think of this classic example of the police beat reporters who broke the Watergate story. Um, you know, sometimes the best journalism isn't that 12-part project. It's the daily story that you just keep grinding away at. So, Jason, how do you handle the need to balance that kind of stuff, the going deep and yet also be up to the minute? Well, that's going to be the challenge. I think there's always going to be a, an instinct as a reporter to do the news, to do the news today. Uh, it's sort of the youth soccer model of that thing happened and we all rushed to the ball. Um, <laughs> it's a great way I, to describe it right there. <laughs> and, and there will be times when it's it's invaluable for us to weigh in on something. But if the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and the Associated Press and the Kansas City Star and the Springfield News Leader and the, the wonderful reporters at St. Louis Public Radio and your colleagues at KCUR, if you've all written a story about how the governor's announced a special session, um, I'm not sure what value we bring to that unless there is something, some sort of ad that we can bring. So what if we just don't do that story and we use that time to focus on uh, the bigger project or the bigger investigation? We definitely want to be in the news cycle. We don't want to just completely disappear. This isn't a like ProPublica model where we drop a story every couple of weeks. But mm -hmm. I do prefer to get these reporters who have the reporting chops, give them enough room that they can really do some thoughtful journalism and not spend 75% of their time trying to crank out daily news copy. So you don't feel an obligation to try to be the quote-unquote paper of record. If something happens that's important, you have to cover it. You'll leave that to other reporters. Yeah, if, if, like I said, if, if it's a huge story, obviously we will want to have something on it. And if there's something we can add to it. If, you know, today Rudy Keller wrote about the special session being called, but it was because he had spoken previously with the House Budget Chairman. He was able to give a little context and, to the story and, and add a little added value. But, yeah, if we can... Stay current, but not get bogged down in the day-to-day. -day. There's, a, there's a lot of value in not having column inches of newsprint to fill. Um, we, you know, if we have a couple stories, we'll be fine. We don't have to worry about, like, oh, God, there's nothing on page 4C this week. <laughs> um, that, that's, that's a blessing and a curse. But for us, I think it's very liberating and allows us to really, like I said, stretch our legs a little bit. Rebecca, I was just going to say that that's got to be so liberating. Do you have a long list of things that you had hoped to get into and, and sources that you're now dying to catch up with and stories that you just didn't have time to write before? I definitely.
definitely do. <laughs> and it has been really fun to actually write them down. I think um, when Jason first asked me if I had some story ideas, I sent him like two pages. <laughs> and I was like, this was fun for me. You know, this wasn't a whole lot of work. <laughs> but um, the other cool thing about um, just the, the, the model is that we ha- we're the 19th outlet for State's Newsroom. Um, just family and network. So if there's something that I want to cover and there's somebody over in Arizona or Wisconsin or somewhere else that is is got an expertise in this, I can, you know, we can we can do a joint mm-hmm. article together. So not only do we have this incredible group of four that we can rely on, we have this entire family we can also reach out to if we need help or expertise. So it's it's really exciting. We're talking to reporter Rebecca Rivas, who was recently with the St. Louis American and is now part of the brand new Missouri Independent. We're also talking to Jason Hancock, who's the editor-in-chief of this new nonprofit news site covering um, all the doings in Jefferson City. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. And now back to our conversation. We're talking to two of the four people who are now working and writing for the Missouri Independent. That's Editor-in-Chief Jason Hancock and reporter Rebecca Rivas. And Jason, I want to uh, uh, chat a little bit about this business model here. As Rebecca mentioned, this is part of this national national model. There's new ones opening all the time in states across the U.S. Who is paying for all this journalism? We are funded by institutional grants and individual donations to State's Newsroom, which uh, is a 501c3 charity nonprofit. So uh, your your donations are tax deductible. You can uh, support us on our website. You know, I'll get the pitch in, MissouriIndependent.com. <laughs> right in the middle of our pledge drive, Jason. Oh, so bad. <laughs> if, you know, we can, uh, we, you know, there's enough for us all, hopefully. Fingers hopefully. crossed. <laughs> so, yeah, the State's Newsroom, sort of their model is to, to get these grants from individuals and, and from uh, institutions. We don't accept corporate donations. We don't accept um, anonymous donations or from foreign governments. And we disclose all the donors above $500. So that's all on the state's newsroom website. And their model is to kind of try to seed these little um, news operations in state capitals around the country. So what you get is this really cool mix of they're helping us with things like HR and IT. They're helping us uh, kind of get off the ground. But all editorial decisions are left to each of the state uh, editors and their newsrooms. So Hmm. um, Missouri Independent, we tried to focus on this idea of, you know, we're part of state's newsroom and we're happy and proud to be a part of that family because it's a great organization. Um, But at the same time, we are editorially independent and all the decisions we make about our coverage are going to be made by uh, reporters and editors on the ground here in, in Missouri. Uh, and also, just like in the for-profit model where you have advertising on one side and editorial on the other, we do have like this iron curtain between us uh, to ensure uh, that donors never have any sort of impact or influence on our content. And we can we always point out the fact that we adhere to the ethics guidelines of the Society of Professional Journalists and um, practices embraced by organizations like the AP or, or the Center for Investigative Reporting. 
So that, I mean, that sounds terrific. Um, that's that's so great to hear about that iron wall. I guess I'm curious, and this is a terrible question to ask a man who just started a new job, but I got to ask, who could fire you? Is there anyone who could fire you? Like, say you run amok um, in Jefferson City. What? <laughs> Who's in charge? <laughs> Well, we have, we employ pirate code at the Missouri Independent, so there could be a mutiny at any time if Rebecca, Rudy, and Tessa were to uh, to get involved. No, I mean, if I was to run astray of our, our ethics or just completely go bonkers and start publishing the screeds that I keep private to myself. Um, <laughs> we all have those know, screeds, could, don't we? <laughs> I could definitely be removed. I, you know, the, the Missouri Independent is my site in so much as I'm the editor. It's our site as a team. And obviously, State's Newsroom um, wants to keep an eye on it. They're not just giving us this money and saying, like, enjoy yourself. You know, they do want to, to to be proud of our product. And, mm-hmm. and so I assume if, like, we went completely haywire, they would they would stage an intervention before they completely dismissed me. But uh, it's definitely not a dictatorship. And uh, anybody who's ever uh, worked with me would know I wouldn't be a very good dictator anyway. And so their intent is not to, say, have a meeting with you and say, hey, you really ought to cover this or that. They trust you with that part, but they're there if you if you go rogue. I would think so. I mean, I can't, I've not heard of a situation where anyone's gone rogue, but most of the time the conversations that we have are things like, what are other network sites working on? Mm-hmm. Is there anything we can do to help? Um, if you're feeling completely burnt at both ends, they have national editors that work uh, with the DC reporters um, that can step in and help us. Mm-hmm. They're there to assist us in any way they can. But one of the things that sold me on it, and I feel bad because they're going to be listening to this, and I don't. I, I love them dearly. They've been great. But one of the things that sold me on the job was talking to my cohort across the state line in Kansas who had said, they say that they're hands off. And I'll tell you, I haven't spoken to any of them for weeks. Wow. Um, they just sort of, they, you know, they do. They let you run your site and they trust you. And they, one of the benefits of the network is they've been very fortunate to hire good people. That's one of the reasons I wanted to come on as I saw who they had been hiring in other states. And mm-hmm. it just made it very attractive to me to know this was an organization that really cared about good journalism. Well, that that is great to hear. And man, isn't that every journalist's dream? Somebody who's just going to give you the keys to the site, and then you get to decide what you want to do, and they're not even going to check in with you for weeks on end. You're living the <laughs> dream there. Um, but the, I think the flip side of starting a new outlet is it is hard. Two things can be hard. One is making sure you're connecting with readers, that they're finding your work. And the other thing that can be hard is making sure that people in power take you seriously and call you back. And Rebecca, you had a great story. I believe it came out this morning. It, it looked at the Attorney General's race through the lens of the Lamar Johnson case, which is a man that the circuit attorney here believes has been wrongfully convicted. And we've covered this conflict on our show. This was a great story. I couldn't help but notice that the state attorney general's political campaign didn't respond. Is it hard to get the attention of of people in power as a newer news outlet? Well, um, I'm not sure. I think, think, Jason, were you saying that they weren't really responding to a lot of folks' requests mm. for, um, for comments just as part of their campaign. I'm not sure if you, you had heard about that. I mean, there's definitely some risk with being new to having to, to getting the, the responses or getting to people to play ball with you that are elected officials. You know, I, I mentioned in my introductory column that like, I know people will be skeptical of us. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. Um, we haven't done anything yet. We haven't proven ourselves yet. And so that skepticism is warranted. 
Um, there, have, you know, there have been some that haven't wanted to call us back, or it, it, probably because they just didn't know us. But you know, I've covered state government for a long time. Rudy Keller has. Rebecca's no stranger to to the St. Louis area. I think that we're we haven't had as much issue as I was worried we might as mm-hmm. a new outlet. Um, you know getting elected officials to, to, to get back in touch with us. And I think over time, our work will speak for itself and those sort of things will sort of wash away, or at least that's what I hope, um, because that's our goal is to do journalism. Uh, it's tough, but fair that uh, starts with the truth and kind of tries to hold power to account. We got a question from a caller, and we're not going to take his call on the air just because we're tight for time here. But um, but he had a good question. Nick from Wentzville uh, wanted to know what your wheelhouse stories would be. And, and his question also is, who are they writing for? Jason, I'm curious who you see as as the reader of the Missouri Independent. I'd like to, we're not a general audience publication, although I wish we were uh, not so much for us in general, but I wish people cared more about state government. And maybe we'll be part of the way that people will. Um, you know, we're not an insider's publication. We're not writing for lawmakers, lobbyists, elected officials, because our hope is that small radio stations, small newspapers, you know, the Post-Dispatch and the Kansas City Star all pick up our stories because that's part of our mission is to, like I said earlier, to fill in some of those gaps. If you're a small paper in southwest Missouri and you can't afford to have a presence in the capital, you know, our content is free. And so in that respect, I guess our audience is everybody in the state of Missouri who's who should or does care about what's going on in their state capital. Hmm. Well, that should be a lot of people, um, one should hope. And, <laughs> you know, you're, you're getting away from this profit-driven model that so many newspapers have fallen into. I know your former employer, McClatchy, they rolled out a really controversial plan where they want to tie, is it actually journalists pay to the, the number of web clicks people get? You're obviously not going that way, but you do want to connect with people. Are you hoping to have um, a, a good uh, web reading of this, that you're going to be able to get those clicks, even if that's that's not the ultimate goal. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, unfortunately, just because it breaks your brain sometimes, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking about SEO, search engine optimization with headlines. <laughs> we want as many eyeballs on our stories as possible. And if we can get a million people clicking every day, I will take that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. But the, the thing that's really liberating for us is clicks aren't our measure of success. We want people to see our stories. Maybe that means seeing it on our site. Maybe that's seeing it in the pages of the St. Louis American. Maybe it's hearing it on uh, St. Louis Public Radio. You know, we want our stories to get out there and and really uh, be a part of the conversation. Um, and it's like I said, it's liberating both in the stories that we can do because we're not necessarily having to chase those really clicky stories. And also, you know, we have a, a, a commentary, uh, an opinion section that I curate. We don't have to chase you know, uh, very, you know, pointed or very salacious opinions because we desperately need the clicks. You know, the hope is that maybe we can have a little more thoughtful discussion in our opinion section. And uh, like I said, I keep using the word liberating, but it really is after years of for-profit journalism to be someplace that's not so uh, obsessed with page views. Yeah, I will say my takeaway from this conversation is you guys both sound really happy. Uh, Rebecca, does it, <laughs> this just feels like uh, you guys are living the dream. Is, is that how it feels on your end? Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's great. Um, the other thing is, you know, I've always tried to focus a lot on community journalism and just being accessible to people to making sure that the people's voices are heard, you know, from the ground level up. And I think that's a, 
unite uniting thread among all of us so it feels really really strong in in that we're just not going to be in jefferson city covering the sessions or anything like that we're, we're definitely going to be on the ground and i think all of us value that a lot so yeah that's the other thing that makes me extremely happy i mean in addition to everything that jason has already said well it's good to hear from two happy journalists i don't know that that happens much in the year 2020 so that website that we're talking about that's missouriindependent.com we want to encourage people to check that out you can also follow them on twitter that's at Mo underscore independent. And Rebecca Rivas, a reporter at the Missouri Independent, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And Jason Hancock, editor-in-chief of the Missouri Independent, uh, thank you for joining us and, uh, and good luck going forward. Thank you so much. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.